So um, Christina and I are quite different people. Those of you who know both of us know that very well. And I'm, as I think you guys are aware, I'm quite out there. Like, this is who I am. It's what I'm about. Uh, I was talking to one member this week, and they, uh, they said uh, to him, oh, you went to school with Chad, so you know some things about him. And he said, he tells the whole church anyway, so everyone knows everything about him. It's not a... But Christina, you don't always know where, where she's coming from, and we were hanging out a lot uh, in college. Um, and I thought we were kind of dating. We had gone to get, to get sandwiches at a, at a sub shop. She didn't order one because she didn't like subs, but I ate in front of her, and she sat there and talked to me. We went walking on the promenade uh, there at Southern and smelling the little Debbies that are cooked nearby wafting through the air. Um, my friends, the Reddings are here, I see, and they understand that wafting little Debbie smell through Collegedale, Tennessee. And she'd come and studied at my house, and so I made some reference to us, you know, dating, that I liked her, that we were dating. And she informed me that we, we hadn't actually gone on a date. She didn't know what I was talking about. We hadn't actually gone on a date. That I had to really actually ask her out on a date, and we actually had to go on a date. So I said, okay, I can do that. So I took her to this fancy restaurant that I had never been to. And that's the first mistake I made. It was called the Back Inn Cafe overlooking the Chattanooga River. And I had never been there before. Like I said, that was a mistake. And so we go there on this very first date. I'm trying to be all very classy and, 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 and intentional about this. And they only had one vegetarian dish. And Christine and I are both vegetarians. And so we both had the exact same thing. And the one vegetarian dish was, was like what you would assume it would be at a place that only has one vegetarian dish. It was uh, blah, to say the least. So our first official date was not going so well. And again, I had told Christina I liked her, but she never really said anything back to me. So, so, so wasn't really sure where she fully, she fully stood. And we walked across the Walnut Street Bridge to Coolidge Park, which is right there uh, in Chattanooga, overlooking right next to the river. And we sat down uh, by the river and on a bench there, and Christina said that she needed to use the restroom. And so we got up and we walked over to this carousel that, uh, that is nearby there in the park, and we watched over to this carousel, and Christina was using the restroom. And I was standing uh, against a pole, kind of leaning against the pole, just with my arms crossed, when all of a sudden I felt these arms from behind me come around, and I felt this head lean against my back. It was Christina, don't worry. Uh, and in that moment, I realized Christina wanted to be near me too. It was this, this beautiful, beautiful moment. There are those beautiful moments, that, that first hug, first time you hold someone's hand, that, that conveys something amazing. I remember when uh, that first moment of recognition from my, from my oldest son, Dayton. You know, we, we get kind of annoyed with our kids crying and, and, and fussing at times, but, but I remember uh, I, was, I was going to, to hand Dayton off to someone else, you know, to, to pass him along to someone else. And I took him like you would and to pass him, and he immediately kind of rushes back and reached back for me. And in that moment, his fussing and his whatever else and him wanting to be with me just, oh, 
it, it melted in my heart. That, that, that moment where, where he wanted his dad. It was something special and so amazing about that moment. This, my child wanted to be with me, near me. As I read throughout Scripture, I see this, this grand narrative that takes place all the way through Scripture. And it's not a, a, a complex uh, idea. It's not a complex truth. It's actually quite simple. This isn't, this isn't something that, that, that is hard to, to find or to, to understand, and yet it seems hard for us to grasp and for us to embrace it. And it is this, it's this narrative that runs throughout all of Scripture, it's this truth that runs throughout all of Scripture, that God wants to be with us. That God wants to be with us. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with me. My relationship with God is is not primarily driven by my desire to be with him. It's actually driven by, by his desire to be with me. In fact, my desire to be with God at times in history, and you guys know this, your, your desire to be with God at times has wavered. It, 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 it fluctuates. It moves here and there. There's things that we do in our lives that, that pull us away from God, and, and we sense that we, we, are, we, are, we are separated from God. But, but the great truth is that God wants to be with us, and that truth and that reality never, ever wavers. And it begins in the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. The creation week is, is nearly finished. It is nearly finished, and yet it is still incomplete to God. It, it, it could maybe have looked finished to us. I mean, God makes all these amazing things during during creation week. There are so many things, the, the animals, the, the beautiful animals and the intricacies of the animals. My middle son, Landon, I, I'm almost sure that he would rather spend time with animals than with people. He loves to just go and, and see animals and look at animals and he buys animal books and he watches animal videos. That's what he loves. He loves those animals. That was, that's the pinnacle of creation, I think, for, for my son. For Christina, it's probably the ocean. Uh, we could go to the ocean. You know, when I go to the ocean, I think there's certain things you should do with the ocean. We could go to the ocean and sit and stare at the ocean for 10 hours. And she'd be fine. I'd say, we're going to do anything else? We're going to build something? We're going to go, no, this is good. I'm good. I'm, just look at this. Isn't, isn't this amazing? Isn't this beautiful? That's, that's, that's her pinnacle. But, but for God, the, the, all this amazing things he'd built that we wonder after and that we're amazed by, it was still incomplete to God. And so the Bible tells us that, that God gets on his hands and knees. That's how I picture it when it talks about God forming us with his hands. God gets on his hands and knees and, and begins to shape us and to make us. God spoke everything else into creation. He spoke it and it was so. He said, let it be, and it was so. He spoke it and it was so. But then he comes to us and he pauses and he gets down and I imagine he just shapes us, takes the time. He breathes into us. And even the way he created the rest of creation versus the way he created us, there's this communication of God's desire to be near us. Genesis 1:27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. The creation story speaks of this grand idea that God wanted to be with us, that he wants to be with us, that he longs to be near us. And he didn't make us out of convenience. 
I hate to burst any of your bubbles, but none of you are convenient probably to God. I don't think I'm probably convenient to God either. But it's the same way. We as parents should understand this. Parents don't plan to have children out of convenience. A child, whether it is planned or unplanned, is not convenient. It is not convenient. The first several years of, of, of life, there is a lack of sleep. There are, there are diapers to be changed. There are messy feedings. We don't even talk. I won't even talk about the pregnancy or the labor because I know nothing about that. But I'm sure some of you know that that's not exactly a convenient thing. Then the child grows up and costs a lot of money. A child, we don't have a child because the child is a wise financial decision. It's not a convenient financial decision. According to a report in the USA Today, the average American will spend $250,000 raising their child from zero to 18, $250,000. According to babycenter.com, if you invest in private education, if you send your kids to, to our Avenue school, your child will uh, cost you roughly $458,000 from zero to 18. That means Christy and I are on pace to about 1.5 million between our, our, three, our three boys. And that's from zero to 18, and we know that there's all kinds of studies now that, that uh, you know, no, who leaves house at 18 anymore? They're, they're all failing. You may still have some adult children living with you. You're still, you're still financing these, these children. Children are not, children are not, I was just looking at someone, so I had to move quickly because I know that their children still live with them. Children are not financially wise decisions. But we don't have kids so that we can have more money. We didn't have kids so that our lives could be easier. The whole idea of creating something is because we wanted these kids to be with us. There was something built into us that, 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 that had this desire to have children and have relationship with us. It is no different for God. God had this desire that we would be with him. And just like for human parents that participate in the creation process, that desire doesn't change when things get rough. When things become difficult, when our children, yes, we may say, oh, I just need a break from my kids. We have those moments. We have those moments. But, but, but really, we desire to, to be with our kids in good times and in bad times. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the first sin committed by the human race. Adam and Eve, they distrust God. The Bible tells us in verses 6 through 8. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And then the saddest verse, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And they heard the sound of the Lord, this is verse 8, walking of God, of the, of the Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves. But, but I want us to understand something, not so much what Adam and Eve did, although it's a very sad moment. But, but I want us to understand something. God knew what had just happened with Adam and Eve? The Bible tells us in Psalm 139, the Bible tells us in Psalm 139 that the Lord searches our hearts and he knows us, that he knows our sitting up, our, our sitting down and our rising up. He knows us. He wasn't unaware of what Adam and Eve had just done. 
But in Adam and Eve's darkest moment, what is God communicating? He's communicating that he still wants to be with them. He comes and he looks for them and he calls out to them in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord called to Adam and he even said, where are you? The cry out to him is, where are you? He knows what they've done. He knows how they've separated themselves from him, but he still longs to be with them. And he says, where are you? That same moment that you have as a parent, even if your, parent is, your child has done something foolish and, and, and messed up in some way, but, but, but they're hurt, they're struggling, your, your desire is to go and help them. They did something they weren't supposed to do, but now, man, they're standing there with that broken arm. You're not like, hey, deal with it yourself. I'm, the, I'm out. No, you go to be with them, to help them, to, to be there with them. Where are you? He calls to them. Creation, the very beginning of the Bible, creation testifies to this idea of God wanting to be with us. The story of the Israelites in Exodus coming from Egypt speaks to God's desire to be with his people. Whether his people are good or bad. When they were good, he still put a sign amongst them that he wanted to be with them. When they were bad, he still left a sign amongst them that he wanted to be with them. The Bible tells us, the book of Exodus, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they say war, see war and return to Egypt. Some have wondered, why did God take them such a circuitous route? The reason why God did this was because God didn't want anything to distract them. God desired to be near them. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And now listen to this. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people, Exodus chapter 13. This pillar of fire by night and this cloud by day were constant reminders of this truth that God communicates throughout all of Scripture. I am here with you. I want to be with you. And sometimes those people that, that God valued so much, that God desired to be with so much, sometimes they doubted God's presence. Sometimes they despised God's presence. Sometimes they ignored God's presence. But either way, God's desire was still to be with them. His desire to be with them remained strong no matter what their desire was. Amen. Nehemiah in his prayer to God in Nehemiah chapter 9 verses 18 and 19 testifies to this, speaking about this situation and about this moment. Nehemiah wrote these words, even when they made a molded calf, an idol for themselves and said, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked great provocations, yet in your manifold mercies, in your great mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor did the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. They, the, the children at one point said, you know what? 
we're not satisfied with this God. We want a different God. And God said, I'm still here with you because I long to be with you. God sent his people another reminder during that time. The sanctuary, his house of worship, the house where the people were to come together and worship God. And he stated specifically the reason why he established that sanctuary. There's all kinds of symbolism in the sanctuary, and there's, there's all kinds of important truths in there, but, but the, the basic premise that God said in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God said, look, I made you, and here's why I made you, because I want to be with you. I, I, I delivered you from Egypt. Why? Because I want to be with you. I'm giving you these signs over and over again because I want to be with you. This, this temple is a symbol that I want to be with you. There are evidences throughout the Old Testament that God wanted to be with his people. From the beginning of the story all the way through the Old Testament, there are testimonies again and again that God wants to be with his people. And yet people still forgot, yet we still forget that the desire of God's heart is to be with us. And we jump all the way forward in history to the time of Jesus. And Jesus leaves heaven, the Messiah, the Savior of the universe, to be born on this earth. And God says, I want the people to understand what this Messiah's presence means, what this baby's presence means. And one of the names that was given to Jesus by God himself, just in case the people had forgotten the big idea of the Old Testament, just in case you don't remember that, that I made you to be with you, just in case you don't remember that I drew you out of Egypt and I was always with you, just in case you don't remember that I, when you wanted a king, I reminded you, don't, be, don't, don't ask for a king. I want to be your king. I want to be with you. Just in case you forget all these reminders that, that I am your God and I want to be with you. He says, I'm going to give Jesus a name to remind the people that that is my great heart's desire. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be born with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated what? God with us. God with us. The name I'm going to give to this baby is God with us. The name of the Savior conveys the giant narrative throughout Scripture. God wants to be with you in your journey, in your life. And at every opportunity, Jesus looked for ways to convey this truth. When the children were being shooed away by some of the adults, let the little children come to me, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When the woman was badgering Jesus, or they saw it as that, leave this master alone. She's done a good thing. Let her be with me. The three parables in Luke chapter 15, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. You can examine those later. They all speak to this giant idea that God wants to be with us. They all speak to the desire of God's heart to be with his people, to be with those that are lost and feel far away from God. God says, I want you to be with me. 
The ones that are not lost, but, but, but maybe, or maybe they are lost, but they just don't realize it and they're, they're close by. God says, no, I want you to celebrate with me. I want you to be here with me. Throughout the scriptures, time and time again. When Jesus was going away in, in, Mark, in John chapter 14, verses two and three, Jesus says, I go away to prepare a place for you so that what? Where I am, there you might be also. I'm only going away because I want to make the place nice because I want to be with you and I want it to be the best for you. Oh, and, and, and by the way, if you think I'm going away and I'm going to leave you in this space where you don't have me, Jesus then said, and I will send you a helper to be with you, he says, to be with you. God always with us. God always longing to be with us. It's conveyed throughout scripture time and time and time again. Over and over again. Then, of course, the second coming is a truth that speaks to the reunion that we will not only be God with us spiritually, but, but God will be with us in the physical presence, that we'll be in the physical presence of God again. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then what does it say? And thus we shall always be what? With the Lord. We shall always be with the Lord. Scripture goes to great lengths to emphasize this truth. God shouts it all over Scripture. I want to be with you. That's not so complex, is it? There's some things in the Bible that are complex to understand. But this is, this is, this is the basics. I want to be with you. And this truth... This reality is life-changing. It's more life-changing than the moment Christina put her arms around me there in Coolidge Park. It's more life-changing than the moment that, that my son reached out for me. The, the reality that the God of the universe that, 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 that designed me and created me wants to be with me is amazing. And this is a truth that some of us, maybe even in this room this morning, need to accept with our hearts. Let it, let it be so. Let it be your reality. As messed up as you may be or as messed up as you may feel, as sinful and wretched as your life may have been in the past or maybe as sinful and wretched as your life is right now, no matter how poorly someone has treated you, if someone's abused you or made you to feel worthless, the God of the universe says, you are worth everything to me and my whole existence is to be with you. I love you. I love you. God wants to be with us. That he wants to be with one who has cheated and lied, manipulated and deceived. One that has broken the commandments and, and trashed our body in God's temple. He still wants to be with us. That thought, that reality can change everything. It changes everything. But isn't, it isn't just that God wants to be with me for a moment. 
In first service, we had a couple of young people baptized. And God doesn't just want to be with us in that, in that moment of the baptism tank. He doesn't just want to be with us for a few moments on a, on a, on a Sabbath morning. He doesn't just want to be with us when we, when we say a prayer around mealtime. God wants to be with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But many of us miss this reality. We miss this reality and, and because we think it's so complex or we think it's so hard to, to, to draw near to God. But God gives us a, a basic step, a basic practice that helps us to draw near to God. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, if we ask anything according to his name, his will, he hears us. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God says, when I made you, I was communicating, I want to be with you. In the, book, in, in the Exodus, I communicate, I want to be with you. Through the times of the kings, I communicate, I want to be with you. Through, through the prophets, I communicate, I want to be with you. Through, through my son Jesus, I gave him the name Emmanuel to communicate, I want to be with you. And everything that he taught, communicated, God longs to be with his children. Over and over and over again, God says, this is what I'm communicating. Do we think this is the will of God? Then the Bible tells us anything we ask for in his will, according to his will, he hears us. In other words, he answers us. Brothers and sisters, we don't need to make this complicated. We can simply say and use that simple tool of prayer that God gives us to say, God, I need you to be with me. I need you to be in my life. Brothers and sisters, God's will is to be with us, to be near us when things are good and when things are rough. When when, when we are good and when we are muddling around in sin, God still longs to come near to us. Adam and Eve, they're sinful. God comes to the garden to meet with them. The children of Israel are sinful. God comes to meet them. God doesn't take away the pillar of the cloud or the pillar of fire. The children of Israel, or they want a king who's not God. God still continues to go to them and love them, still sends them a savior. He wants to be with us and to help us. But so many of us operate without the presence of God because we fail to simply pray that prayer and ask God to be a part of our lives day in and day out on a consistent basis. The spirit of prayer that God calls us to is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 17, in which God says, pray without ceasing. Because prayer is our, our connection to God. Jesus told us, you have not because you ask not. Man, where is God? There's, there's, he's not here. I'm, I'm you have not because you ask not. We ask God to come into our lives, to be with us. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, this isn't in my notes, but it just pops into my head. In the book of Deuteronomy, the scripture tells us, I will draw near to all those who call on me in, what, do you know? In prayer. I draw near to those all who call on me in prayer. I'm sure all of us would like to know daily that God is with us. It doesn't have to be complex. Yes, our 
God as he, as, he, as he draws near to us daily, our lives will change, our lifestyle will change, our thoughts and our attitudes will change. These things will change, but, but, but the simple beginning point is that we say day in and day out, God, be with me today. Just as you wanna be, I want you to be with me. God, we ask you to be with us. It's an easy thing, obviously, to say, but it's harder to do some of the challenging times and some of the rougher times. I remember one of the most stressful weeks of my life. I was getting ready to preach an evangelistic series, and I was loading some books onto a dolly. And this dolly, I don't know what it was. It was an evil-possessed dolly. I'm convinced of it. It snapped shut and it smacked me in the head and split my head open and I had to get staples right up in my head. And I was preaching that night for the evangelistic meeting. And so I'm driving to the hospital, getting, not, not me, myself, they wouldn't let me drive, but someone was driving me to the hospital and I'm getting these staples in my head and I'm just sitting there and there was just this calm over me. God just saying, I'm here with you. I've got it in control. The meetings continue on. I, we'd go through that first meeting, the meetings continue on. Uh, that second night, my son, Dayton, falls out of bed, rolls out of bed, as kids are prone to do at times, bites the inside of his mouth, no big deal, whatever, we, you know, kids bite the inside of the mouth. The next thing we know, he's getting a fever. And so we take him to the doctor, and she says, you know, I think he has an infection, give him these antibiotics. And I slept with him a whole night, and I'm just praying, God, be with Dayton, be with Dayton, help him to be okay. And, and, and I'm praying and I'm feeling him and, and his fever broke and I thought, oh good, the infections, the antibiotics are working, the infection's gone and we wake up in the morning and, and Dayton's swelling in his cheek has moved to the midline of his lip and is up by his eye and he has a softball in his face. And we take him to the, to the uh, pediatrician and the pediatrician says, you need to get him to Children's Hospital right away. And we take him up to Children's Hospital and he's there for four days while our evangelistic meetings are going on. And I'm doing the evangelistic meetings and, and Christine and I are every day just praying on the phone and our son has an IV and he's, they're saying, yeah, he won't need surgery. We're just gonna give him this IV. And then they're saying, you know what? The IV's not working. We're gonna have to do surgery. And here's our four-year-old kid, hospital needing surgery and just that stress of that moment. And yet, every time I prayed, I said, God, be with us. There was just a peace that came over us. They wheeled Dane back to the, to the uh, OR. Christine does anesthesia, so it always makes her nervous, not because she does anything bad, but she just knows how things can go at times. And she, and as they rolled him back, we'd already prayed with Dane. She says, as soon as he goes back behind those doors, she says, pray with me again, Chad. Pray with me again, Chad. We prayed together, and there's just this calm that came over us, this, this reminder that no matter what we're going through, God is with us. And it didn't come because we knew so much. It didn't come because we, we understood every nuance of the scripture. It, it just was in that moment we said, God, we need you. This last couple weeks as I've watched our nation, as I've thought about our church, as I've thought about the weather, I thought, man, God, we need you. We need you. There's people in this room that I've talked to that have going, are going through certain things even now as I speak that, that, that just would break your heart. God, we need you. We need you with us. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. 
So today I want to invite all of us just to say, God, whatever's going on in your life, I don't, I don't know what's going on in your lives. And it doesn't matter if it's a big thing or a small thing. That's the God we serve. Praise God. Little things, little things God says, let me, let me, let me take that stress from you. Let me help you through that moment. Big things God says, let me be there with you and, and help you through that moment. The stresses still are there, guys. This, this is a sinful, wicked, disgusting world. Stresses are still there, but God wants you to know that he wants to be with you. But you don't have to go through this alone. You're not worthless. It doesn't matter what anyone said to you or how anyone's treated you. You are a value to God, and he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. He'll go through that with you, whatever it is.